It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. In today's episode, I'm looking at some players who might be buy low options. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball looking at buy low uh, trade options. Fantasy trade deadlines are coming up. The NBA trade trade deadline is just a week and a half away. Now, I don't know when most of your trade deadlines finish. Normally, it's around the actual NBA trade deadline, so we're going to keep doing buy lows and sell highs up until the majority of trade deadlines are over, but let's look at some buy lows. Again, these are not guys that you go out and acquire at any cost. These are players to see whether their manager is disgruntled and whether you can get them at a discount. Let's talk about them. Starting off in category leagues, Larry Nance. And yeah, I base a lot of these things on... um, you know, what, what, what I hear and you know, frustrations that people have with players uh, you're tied in with their performances as well. And Nance has returned from his uh, injury and he's been subpar. Even last game where Kevin Love played one minute, he didn't really light the world on fire. I thought Nance was playing well above his head to begin this season. He is the 77th ranked player so far this year. Um, and in the two games he's, since he's returned, he's at seven points, four rebounds on 40% shooting and with bad free throw percentage. And the reason his ranking was so high to begin this year, where the steals were absolutely just flowing out of his ass. 1.8 steals per game he averaged this year. And that's the difference between the 77th ranked player and like 130th ranked player. Now, he's had one steal in the two games since he's been back which is not ideal. He's played 27 minutes versus 33 before the injury, but I don't expect Kevin Love to be coming straight back after what happened last game. So I think Nance's minutes can be okay. Now, again, I don't view him to be the guy that's getting 1.8 steals and playing 33 minutes per game, but if the frustration has built for a guy that doesn't hasn't really built up a long-term reputation as a fantasy stud like Larry Nance, then there is an opportunity to get him maybe for a bloke outside the top 100. I wouldn't be offering any sort of top 100 player in exchange for Nance. I'd be offering some back-end guys, my two worst players, my 12th best player, something like that, to try and get Nance. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, because I'm not 100% convinced in Larry Nance, um, because you know, I, I know that the Cavs have shown a hesitance to just play him big minutes. If people are healthy, he won't play those minutes. And I don't, I'm basing this on the assumption that Love is going to miss more time. But if he doesn't, then Nance goes back into this you know, cocoon of 24 minutes mediocrity, which is a worry, of course. Tyrese Halliburton, return from injury for Tyrese, um, hasn't been awesome. And again, I say this because Tyrese Halliburton's rostered in like 79% of Yahoo leagues. So again, there is no track record of him being great. 
There are people who are cautious with him. There are people who will view him. Oh, who is it? Torres Halliburton or Keldon Johnson? Like I've had that question asked to me before. Halliburton's the 52nd ranked player this year. Yes, since he's returned, he's played 21 minutes a night. He's averaging six points on 29% shooting. He hasn't taken a single free throw. In fact, his free throw numbers all year are embarrassing. He's attempted 26 free throws in 32 games. That was one of the big problems I had with him coming into the draft, is that as a lead point guard, never get into the line is a problem. But you know, as an off-ball player, like he is now, it, it works all right. Um, his minutes are going to ramp up, and his production is going to be fine. You should view Halliburton as around a top 50 player, but you don't want to trade that to get him. You want to trade a top 80 guy a top 90 sort of a player in order to get him. Because again, the name brand hasn't built up that value. We haven't seen a good Halliburton game since the 25th of February, where before he got injured, he had 17-4-4. and four. Like That's a great game. And he was putting up some really big performances there. He's also started only two games this year, so people might have hesitancy with that. Again, it's all about um, understanding your name brand recognition and long-term consistency, and also recent performances, all those things buy in. And it's been a couple of rough games here from Halliburton. You, you might not be able to get it, but it's worth trying given how he's playing and the fact that he's still not rostered in a ton of leagues. Jarrett Allen has really fallen off as well. Over the last two weeks, he's the 180th ranked player averaging 10 and 11. So why? what is so different between now and what he was doing early on with the Cavs? Well, his usage has plummeted. It's gone from 18% down to 13%. Um, I guess that's because Colin Sexton was taking a ton of shots, but realistically, there hasn't been a huge amount else that has changed. I mean, Torian Prince, his absence or presence, has that really changed much? Larry Nance and Love have been out this whole time. Isaac Okora is not a big usage guy. Dean Wade isn't. So it just seems like it's an ebb and flow of his usage. He's also really, really killing you in free throws. 58% from the line on five attempts over his last four games. That is a huge, huge downgrade. And at this point, you probably have to be punting free throws with Jarrett Allen. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus. But I still I believe he's going to be better than this. I'm not sure that he's going to get back to the heights of where he was to begin this season. That might be tough or you know, to begin his Cleveland tenure. 
but he can be better than what he currently is. I'd expect a, an increase back in his usage numbers and probably a couple of extra minutes. Because and, and the Cavs have been getting killed, and that's been an issue as well. The, his, his minutes have been down in a lot of these games. He still had a lot of double-doubles, and we only have to look back to 24th of February where he had a 26-18 and 18 game with four blocks, and then a 14-10, and 10, a 10-15, and 17-11. and 11. It's just the last two games have struggled, 9-11, 5-7, and, um, and, and that's really reduced his numbers. So... Uh, I think he's a nice buy low. I think Jakob Pertle is as well. Lamarcus Aldridge went down or is out, and people were scurried. Man, Pertle's a must roster, but I have had multiple people. Josh, can you explain to me again why Jakob Pertle's a must roster player? I don't see it. And I, I can understand why people are asking that question. The last you know, four games eight and eight, two and five, six and five, six and nine, seven and five. He has five blocks across those five games. That's hardly sparkling. He's not a good free throw shooter, although that has improved. He's at to 75% over the last three games from the line. It's not ideal, but it's better than 35%, which is where he is at for the season. So why do I think Yucca Pertle is a must-roster player? Well, he can be a 60% field goal guy for a start. He can be an 8-9 to nine rebound player. Um, the rebounding has been down, weirdly. Over his last six games, he's playing 29 minutes, but only seven rebounds. I think he can be a better... I think he is a better rebounder than that. And the blocking, he is a better shot blocker than this. Over the last two months, he is averaging two blocks per game. But over his last three games, he's had two blocks. And as I said, over his last six games, he's had just six blocks. So there is a real blocks spike coming. So you can probably get Pirtle as you know for the for the worst player on your team. I would say at this point because you know the oh, it's Pirtle's time and Aldridge is gone. Yep, yeah, even though his role didn't really change much from where it was before and he is the 107th ranked player over the last two months in just 26 minutes a night, and that's while shooting 40% from the line. Um, yeah, I think people are a bit disappointed with what they've seen because they, they... And this happens so often in fantasy. Like, a guy will be starting for you know two months because someone's injured, whoever it is, you know, just random player because some, someone's injured, and then the news comes out that that player who's already been out for two months is going to have season-ending ending surgery, and people ask, oh, who, who benefits from this? Yeah, who who gets the big boost? I got nothing. Literally, nothing changes. This is what's and it was almost like the Spurs, where Aldridge just hadn't played for that long. Go look, not that much changes because Aldridge hadn't been playing for this large period of time. So we've seen what happens. But people go, oh, Aldridge is gone now. So now, now we we expect this big boost from Pirtle when I think he just keeps trucking on. And even and now he is downturning for sure. The numbers aren't where they need to be. But uh, I think people are disappointed, and and I understand that rightfully so. So he is a bit of a bylaw. And then the last one is Johnny Collins. Now, it's not because of John Collins's form, which is shithouse. Um, and it's not because I think that John Collins is necessarily going to get better in Atlanta. I think that Nate McMillan doesn't particularly like John Collins as a player. And over his last 15 games, that's not just Nate McMillan. He is averaging 28 minutes a night. That's not going to cut it. He averaged 33 a game last year where he was the 13th ranked player. Over the last month, he's the 108th ranked player. 17 and seven and a half, under a block per game. That was always my big concern that we'd see a big drop in rebounds, we'd see a big drop in blocks, and we'd see a big drop in field goal percentage because he was playing at power forward next to Clint Capella. And all of those things have come true. So I don't expect big returns there, but what I am thinking is maybe the Hawks trade him because it just does not appear that he is uh, very, very high up in their long-term plans. I, I don't see that. They didn't want to offer him that extension. I understand that. Um, they, they don't. They're not playing him big minutes. They're not treating him like this number one option or, not, or number two player. That that seems to be Capella. And the Hunter is even ahead of him at this point, I'd say, when he comes back. 
So the, it's not about the Hawks. It's about maybe he goes to Charlotte. Maybe he goes to Minnesota where he can come in, play 33 minutes and, and be a 20 and 10 guy again. So that's why he's a bit of a buy low. Um, you, you trade him for like an 80 or 90 ranked player. If he stays on the Hawks, maybe you actually take a hit on that. But if he goes somewhere else, yeah, if he goes somewhere else, say Utah, then you take a further hit. But if he goes to Charlotte, if he goes to Minnesota, if he goes to some other crap team, um, then you get a big win out of it. And I think that's, at this point, 10 days to the deadline, I think it is worth, uh, worth having a crack at something like that. Let's have a look at points leagues now. Some similar names on the points leagues uh, by low list. We've got Jakob Pertle and Jared Allen both on that list. I think you know I've discussed their issues, their current issues, and why I think they are by low guys. Yeah, Pertle, for example, is averaging just uh, t- 19 fantasy points over the last week, whereas over the last month he's at 29. So it is a really big dip on his Yahoo fantasy point scoring numbers. So there is a bit of a, a room for him to leap up. And Jarrett Allen, similarly, 38 over the last month, 26 over the last week. So some pretty clear indications of how they are able to take steps forward when uh, when things come together, which we hope they do. But I want to talk about Jarrett Allen's Cleveland teammate, Darius Garland, who, again, I get so many questions about Garland. Josh, Garland's not a must-roster player. And I argue that with bullshit, he is. But he has dropped off a little bit with that groin injury, and it's skewing his you know, recent production. The last three games, he's only played 26 minutes a night. And, and there you go. That's part of the issue. 117th ranked player, 24 fantasy points. I think he's a 28 to 30 fantasy point per game guy. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Um, so you can look to, to acquire him. Add him if he's on the wire, for sure. But he, you can look to acquire him at that cheaper price. Um, his steals have also dropped off recently, too. Um, and yeah, you, you look at him as a, a top 90 player, a 30 fantasy point guy moving forward, whereas you, know, you probably only have to give up a 25 fantasy point guy to acquire him. Drew Holiday. Um, yeah, back from COVID. Still not at his best. 114th over the last four games. 31 fantasy points over the last two. But he can be a 33, a 34, 35 fantasy point per game player, I believe. And I do think there is some um, there is some value in trying to acquire him at that uh, at, at that level. Just again, trying to squeeze an extra two to three points out of his manager uh, in a deal by by trading away like a top seventy ish player, maybe to try and get that thirty you know, get get him for a twenty eight fantasy point guy, 29 fantasy point guy, and hope that he becomes a 33 fantasy point guy. And then lastly, I want to talk about Chris Paul, who the Suns have been winning easily. 
He's averaging just 30 points, or 30 minutes a game over the last four. 29 fantasy points. This dude's averaging 37 over the course of the season. So in large part, it's just because the Suns haven't needed him. His usage is down. 18% usage over those four games since the break. And they've just been winning easily. But when they play some more games that are a little bit more closely contested, Chris Paul's minutes will go up. His fantasy production will go up. He's averaging 37 fantasy points per game this year. And I think you look at him, if you can get him for a 31 or 32-point guy, 33-point guy maybe, I think that is a win for you. But he has had a bit of a downturn recently. Guys, let me know what you think in the comments below. Give me a thumbs up, uh, subscribe, notification bell, and hit it up on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, here on YouTube. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.